Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. I help people get it done in the sense of achieving their dreams of home ownership. Getting it done can mean so many things. It can come in all shapes and sizes. This podcast is about that central theme, getting it done, whatever that may be. In the future, we're going to have guests talk about their own personal experiences in getting it done, how they overcame adversity to achieve their dreams. Once again, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and I'll be your host, and this is our story. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jimmy Ryan here on the Get It Done podcast. Today, we have a good personal friend of mine, uh, Ben Comro. He is a real estate agent up in the Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls area. Ben, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. For sure, brother. So, uh, realtor in Eau Claire, Chippewa Falls area. Like, that's how I just kind of like branded you. I want to like, I want to expand on that at least a little bit more. How would you, uh, Ben, I guess, describe yourself? What accolades would you give yourself? Sure. So, uh, realtor in the Eau Claire area, I, I cover you know, some rural area around here. So, about 60 minutes um, in either direction. Uh, I've been doing this for about 10 years, or at least involved in the real estate industry for about 10 years, um, concentrating more on the sales side of things probably over the last five, six years. Um, enjoy it. Love it. I mean, it's, I, I live and breathe it every day. So it's fantastic. Well, cool, brother. And you kind of have to, if you're going to be in, you know, the real estate game, if you're going to be anyone that has any ounce of success, you're going to be, you have to live and breathe it every single day. So, For sure. uh, and I think that's honestly, that's why we have a connection. You and I, uh, we, we do, we do it every day and, but it's, it's just, it's more than that. And, and that's what, what I really want to dig into today is the, the more than that part. And Ben, I know you as a, you know, successful real estate agent, you know, you, you kind of just wear it. You really do. Uh, I think people could look at you and maybe guess what you do. Maybe not, but, um, but I, you just, you wear successful real estate agent. And what this podcast is about is, is not how you, you know, wear it today. It's about why, I guess, deep beneath your outfit, I guess, that you wear, what, what made you the person that you are. So um, not to all the way to where you are today, but to how you began. Uh, I want to go all the way back. So Ben, were you, I guess, did you always, did you always hail from the Eau Claire area or, I guess, were you born in a different spot? Uh, yeah. Where were you born? Uh, How did you start out? Yeah, so I was born and raised in the Eau Claire area. Um, elementary, middle, high school uh, in the Eau Claire area. I did move away uh, for a couple of years after high school uh, to kind of the Chicago suburbs. Um, spent about two years down there, and then I, I came back to the Eau Claire area. Obviously, I missed it enough to want to pursue a career here. Um, I started out uh, actually in the automotive industry. Uh, I was in that for about five to six years um, after getting out of school. Uh, and I kind of jumped into real estate 
part-time and I cringe when I say part-time because I kind of despise part-time real estate agents, but it's what I had to do at the time. Um, so now I've been doing this for, you know, about another eight to 10 years after that, uh, as a full-time job. Um, but yeah, uh, born and raised in the area. Uh, now I have a fiance. I've got an 11 month old, um, and enjoying life and selling real estate. That's, that's awesome, brother. A uh, lot, lot that I want to dig into there. Uh, thanks for all that. First off, yeah. uh, congratulations on the engagement. Uh, when is, when's the date? Well, we'd probably have a date if it wasn't for the pandemic, but we've kind of, <laughs> we, we've put that all on, on hold. And as soon as things lighten up a little bit, we'll, we'll set a date, but we're, we're hoping sometime, you know, probably spring, summer of next year. Okay, cool. Uh, spring, summer of 2021. Um, sure. I have to say every time that I hear somebody is uh, planning a wedding, I, every single time I, I hear somebody say this, I relate to my own story. And I, I think that you should elope. I think you should go out and just have nobody there and just go. All, like literally all of your friends have just stopped listening if they were listening or uh, family members. But <laughs> it was so awesome to do it. And then we went and we had a party afterwards. And um and it was pretty cool, but uh, but congratulations! I can only imagine the I guess the, the the troubles that you have during this pandemic in, in in planning that have just I guess speak to that for for a minute because it's got to be at the forefront of your mind. You know it it is, but we're we're also kind of in the position where we would rather do it much smaller. So um, it, it's not going to take a whole lot of planning. It's just kind of figuring out when we want to do it and what we're actually able to do when the time comes. Um, I'd say trying to bring a little one into this pandemic world has been probably more of a struggle than planning a wedding. That's for sure. Uh, you know what, when you say it like that, I, <laughs> you're totally right. And especially an 11 month old, you know, yeah. during the whole thing, it's got to pose its own unique challenges. Um, well, it, it, very cool. Congratulations, uh, nonetheless. Um, I mean, you get to have an 11 month old, you get to be engaged. And, um, and that's a super cool time in your life. Uh, I want to, I want to transition off of uh, today, uh, which is just super cool. A lot of people want to get there. Uh, and going back to where you started. So you were, you mentioned that you were born in the Eau Claire area. And, you know, you, I don't know how long you stayed there, but you said that then you moved to the Chicago suburbs. Yep. And I have to imagine, because uh, I've been to Eau Claire, it's not that big of a town. I mean, it isn't, it isn't. It has a downtown area. It's, it's you know, it has its, <laughs> I don't know, size, I guess, for the littleness, I guess, of it. But uh, Oh, it's but not sure. that big. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have to beat around the bush. It, it's not that big of an area, <laughs> but um, it, it it's definitely enjoyable. I mean, it's so, a, it's a fantastic area for, for, you know, starting a business for raising a family. Um, there's some huge, huge perks to living in this area. So it, I think that's kind of why I ended up wanting to come back. Absolutely. And, and if you were to like expand on that, I would, uh, let's expand on that in a minute, but let's just say that you left that area that you just speak so highly of what, um, what's it like as a kid, you, you know, they say, if you remember it, there's probably a story there. You remember leaving to move into the Chicago suburbs. What, mm -hmm. uh, 
what most do you remember about it? And I guess, tell me about that time in your life. Sure. So, so when I'm, when I moved away for, for a couple of years, it was, it was right after high school. So I was young. I just kind of wanted to, to explore, uh, see what school would bring me and, you know, what I could learn out of the area. Um, I was actually looking at a, a program out of a tech school here that uh, had a bit of a waiting list. So um, it sparked me to just kind of look elsewhere uh, to find a place to go. And that's kind of what brought me there. And I, I definitely loved it, but I also have, I mean, all of my family is in this area and driving five to six hours every time I want to visit them is not ideal by any means. Did, I guess, how long, how long did it last for before you were just like, you know, going back to, I guess, going back to Eau Claire? So I actually graduated from the school that I went to down there. Um, and then, and then came back to the Eau Claire area. So I, I, I finished up my time down there, but as soon as I was done, I was, I was moving back. And I'm speaking about it kind of negatively, but I guess, what did you like the most about uh, that, that brief time of your life, that move? About moving back or moving there? Moving there. Sure. So, I mean, like any 18, 19 year old to be able to get out of the house, get away from your parents. I mean, that was, that was the, the fun thing to do. I mean, it was definitely scary. Um, I mean, I didn't know anybody uh, in the area. I didn't know anybody that I was going to school with, nobody from high school or anything like that. But uh, it, was, it, it was definitely an adventure um, and a part of my life that probably made me to be as independent as I am. Um, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. That's for sure. What, I guess, was that like a major defining moment in your life or, or, or was there a time before that, that really set you in stone for the way that you were? Was it, was it more of like a, a high school moment for you or was it? Um... No, I would say probably, probably moving away and really starting my own life and not having, you know, parental control or guidance and really doing everything on my own. Dependence to independence is, is, is basically the story at this point in your life. And you were only there for two years. Was that enough for you to, I guess, grow up? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, all right. You go there with, and remind me, I guess, what's the real, like, if you're going to really dig into it, what was the real speciality that you really wanted to get into uh, going to school? So I, I focused more on the automotive service industry when I was there. So like, did, does that mean like you're a service writer? Does that mean that you're an so I actually, I was actually a mechanic for about five years. Okay. That's so interesting to me. I love how I, I love people going from like, I don't know. You don't get more blue collar than mechanic. You just don't. Right. And then you kind of almost don't get more white collar than real estate in some ways. In you some mean, ways. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's funny hearing it because I, I came from a similar background and it's like, and I took out, I took out mechanics garbages, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just like, you know, people don't, 
and then people look at you today like, oh my God, you're the most whitest cow in the world and you don't know hard work or you don't know this or that. But a lot of times people on our, on our side of things really got our, I guess, work ethic. We, we made it because we've had it so much more hard, you know, it's so much more rough. You were a mechanic for five years. I mean, basically, it doesn't matter who you were in high school. After being a mechanic for five years, how does that change someone? Well, I mean, that was, I've, I've always had jobs, but that was probably the, the most structured job that I had. And it was, it was very high paced. So um, I had to be incredibly organized and on top of things to get everything done that I needed to get done. Um, I, I was always into technology. So my, my focus in the automotive industry ended up being more of the electrical electronic diagnostic side of things. So kind of decided that nobody really wants to do and the part that scares everybody away from it. Interesting. So you like the stuff that everybody else hated and what about speak to the structure? Uh, what, what about the structure was like, like that's the first thing you said, like I, I never had something that structured. What it, it doesn't strike me as the most structured thing in, in, in the sense of like, I guess the general feel of auto mechanic be, being an auto mechanic, but I guess, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, you probably do have to be, I guess, speak to that, uh, the, the structure of it. Yeah. So, so really, really the, the, the structure of how things need to be done and how fast they need to be done. You know, when, when you're, when you're doing automotive service work and you are working with cars that are under warranty, the only way that you can make any money, the way that you are paid as a mechanic is to do them very well and very fast. I guess speak to that. What's defined very well and defined very fast. I, I would define very well as like, look, you got the job done. You fixed it. Well, and, <laughs> but what's very, that's, that's very well is you, you want it fixed and you want it fixed correctly. The first time that you work on it, you don't want to see that car again for the same issue. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So that's difficult. And then quickly, I guess, how quickly? Well, so to give you kind of an idea, I worked with um, Hyundai uh, Motors for the majority of it. And so for, for jobs that would say, with anything in the automotive industry, you're going to have a, like a book time that a certain job has to be done in. Well, when you're dealing with warranty work, what the manufacturer pays for that time is never near what the book time is. So when you look at the estimated book time for say, say replacing a battery, say it's supposed to take an hour. Well, under warranty, the automotive manufacturer may give you two tenths of an hour to get it done. So even if it takes you an hour or two hours to get the job done, you're getting paid for two tenths of an hour. Wow. So how does that, <laughs> how does that encourage, I guess, your job quality? It's, it's tough. It's, it's incredibly tough. 
and dealing with things like that are are probably reasons why I'm no longer in the industry. I can only imagine. I mean, you're basically you're 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 caught between a rock and a hard place. Totally. I mean, it's you just, you're on, on one hand you're not getting paid any money. On another hand, you have to do the job. On another hand, you're appreciative for the work, and then you know the customer has expectations to get it done. Mm-hmm. And you're just. I mean, you have to just smile, basically. And I guess that only lasted for you about five years. But I guess at what point did you get? Were you like? Finally, I've had enough. You know, probably, I would say probably three to four years into it is when I, I think I was, I bought my first house. I, I really enjoyed real estate at that point in my life, just kind of as a hobby. I was looking for, kind of looking for investments and, and that type of thing. And, and it really kind of intrigued me. So um, I guess my first step in the new direction was to, and get my real estate license and started started studying real estate a little bit harder. Um, and while I did that, I you know I continued working as a mechanic for a couple more years um, and and got my license and and kind of dabbled in real estate a little bit on the side, but really didn't focus too hard on it until I just kind of threw in the towel as a mechanic and jumped in. Was there ever a moment that you finally were, were like, look, uh, I hate this. I, I'm only doing this for the money. I, I guess, did you have that moment, number one? And I guess, number two, at what point did you finally pick up the real estate book and be like, look, I'm going to, I got to do this? You know, I, I think the part that made me completely quit the automotive industry was the fact that I could not work in real estate and work as a mechanic. Um, I would have loved to have had dual income for a while, but I realized that real estate is, it's not a part-time job. I mean, I, I can't just show houses on the weekend or just show houses after five o'clock every night. So I, I just, I had to make the choice on what I wanted to do and whether that was to work in real estate or be a mechanic. And I, I decided pretty quickly that real estate was the avenue that I wanted to pursue. What, what made it an easy choice? You know, I, <laughs> okay, we could back up. It, it probably wasn't that easy of a choice, but I, I enjoyed the work much more. Um, I, I enjoyed working with people and making them happy versus hoping that they don't bring their car back to the dealership. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I mean, so my, one of my mentor, my, my earliest mentors was an auto mechanic and it's a tough, hard job. It really is in Mm -hmm. so many ways. And you're always, look, nobody wants their car being worked on. Not one person. Nobody. No. Nobody said, nobody brings their car in just in case, Hey, you know, nothing's wrong with my car. You know, I thought I just, you know, here, here's a hundred bucks. Just check, check it over for me. Nobody says that they come in when their car is broken down and they're totally inconvenienced and stressed out and pissed off. Basically mm-hmm. they want to tell you all about it and then you have to fix it and you better do it for cheap because the other guy across the way is going to do it for cheaper. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that job forever and not just developing the most 
thickest skin in the world or just the coldest heart. <laughs> One of the two. And it's, it, I, okay, so I've quoted this. Maybe somebody has quoted this and I've stolen it, but it's, an auto mechanic can be pissed off. Go to work, take a wrench, and beat the crap out of something with his wrench and basically do his job just fine. He's beating the crap out of some of his wrench. He's loosening something. He's, you know, he's, he could be mad. He could be angry and he could still, you know, loosen up the bolt, you know, fix the carburetor, fix the, you know, exhaust, do this to the, whatever. He could be angry and still get his job done. But a real estate agent, you can't be that way. I'm sorry. You can't, no. But you're not going to sell any houses. Nobody's going to want to be around you. You're like, oh my God, get me away from that Ben Camro. He's been <laughs> fixing too many, you know, he, he's, he's beaten too many things with his wrench. I guess it, it's two opposite sides. I guess when did it like, do you, do you remember any times when like that was a problem? No, no, I've always, I've always been incredibly laid back. So, um, the anger side of things really has never gotten to me. Uh, it, it, there's sure frustrating times in, in, in the automotive industry, but I'm, I'm so level-headed that nothing really gets to me that bad. And I think that's part of why people enjoy working with me in real estate is even when we get into stressful situations, I'm usually pretty easy to talk somebody down off of the ledge. And I love that. That's just so perfect. It really is. It's beautiful. Um, how do you think being an auto mechanic, you know, early on led you to having that type of mindset? You know, I, I don't even know that that is what got me to have that mindset. Um, I had a very good upbringing. I mean, you know, my parents treated me very well. They taught me very well. Um, so I've, I've really kind of been that way since I can remember. Just basically you're born with this level-headed type of chill that, mentality. That is, that, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, I know this about you and I almost figured that it kind of came from somewhere, but it's kind of almost just a natural, a natural thing to you that you kind of are just, just this guy, just a solid dude. I mean, you know, we're going to handle whatever. So moving, moving on, you, you're an auto mechanic. You don't really like it that much, but you're doing it. It kind of was a thing that you wanted for a minute. I'm sure you figured out, Hey, you know, I'm not making a million dollars doing this and it's not the most thankful, most fulfilling job in the world you know, you start studying for your real estate license. What, I guess, you could have studied also for your appraiser license. You could have studied for your mortgage loan originator license. You could have been an insurance agent. You could have, you know, there, there's a million other things that you could have done. What made you pick up the real estate agent book? You know, I, I'd say that real estate versus appraisals, I, I really wanted to work with people. And on the appraisal side of things, yes, you, you do work with people, but you're typically just dealing with the bank directly and behind the scenes. Um, 
you know, insurance, I could, I could definitely see some, some benefit to being in the insurance industry. I've got great friends that are in the insurance industry. Um, but I, I really like the aspect of, of real estate and dealing with, with homes and, and commercial buildings and rental properties. So, um, that was kind of the, that was kind of the direction that I took it. Did you ever do any of the other, I guess, fields? Uh, no. Okay. So it was just, it was a hundred percent real estate. I guess, I guess why? I mean, like you just, it's, it, it's such a leap. I mean, it just is, it's such a leap from mechanic to real estate. I just, it, for me, connect those dots, I guess. How did we, how did you go from one to the other? Yeah. You know, I just had, like I had mentioned before, I had a great experience buying my first house and that kind of got me into looking into investment properties and that type of thing. So, um, getting my real estate license was really, you know, partially an educational experience for me if I wanted to continue pursuing even just purchasing properties for myself. Um, but then it just stemmed into what I wanted to make my career. I mean, that's awesome. And you, and you totally went for it. So at what point did, did you have relationships during this point? I know that, you know, you're engaged right now. You have uh, you know, a, a one-year-old um, what, what was life like, I guess, at this time? I, I mean, were you just like workaholic all the time or, I guess all in on it or, or, or were there any distractions, I guess, what held you back from being the person that you are today back then? Sure. I mean, you know, I don't know that anything really held me back. Yeah. There's, there's relationships along the way. Um, there's always little setbacks, but I really just kind of continued to grow over time. Yeah. Um, I mean, what choice do you have really? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so, all right. So, uh, I've been beating around this, but I want to ask it, I guess, what was the final, I guess, nail in the coffin? What was like, I am, I'm never going to be an auto mechanic again. I'm just so done with this. Um, what was the final, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I'm, I'm all in on real estate. I, I think that, I think the final thing was when I was in the real estate industry and I, I started in the real estate industry in 2010. So it was, it was a pretty rough time in real estate. And I, I realized that if my focus wasn't hundred percent on real estate, I wasn't going to make any money doing it. And because I did enjoy it more than I enjoyed the automotive industry, I, that made the decision pretty easy for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I guess what, what joy did you have in the auto industry that you finally lost? What was it? You know, I, I got just, into the automotive industry mainly because I, I loved working on cars. I, I loved the automotive industry, but more so for personal reasons than wanting to work on everybody else's problem. And, you know, I had to do something after high school. 
And so that was the, kind of the first thing that came to me. So I, I went with it, I did it, and I couldn't do it again. <laughs> so now I have to ask you, dude, do you fix your own car? No, no. You were an auto mechanic. You don't fix your own car? No, I mean, I, it, it depends on what it is. I, I still enjoy dabbling with some, some aftermarket stuff on, on vehicles, but when it comes to routine service, I, I don't deal with it. I, I'd rather not take the time out of my day. My hands have been clean for oh, about six or seven years now, and I'll keep them that way. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of people don't understand this, this part too. I was never an auto mechanic, but I clean cars. Actually, for three months, I changed oil at Pennzoil. Oh my God, sure. you couldn't get the oil out of, you can't get out the oil out of your, your, your pores of your fingers and like your fingernails and all that stuff. And people don't get that um, unless you're an auto mechanic or you've done this every single day. And six years, your hands have been cleaned. Like I feel you on that. It's, mm -hmm. That's like, because that's a real thing, but you really do. You fall out of love with it. It's like, you can't even understand or relate to the challenges that that job really does present and how I guess ultimately really hard it is. Um, but I have to imagine though that Ben, you are who you are because you were that and you did love it at one point. And I mean, well now I used to clean cars. You couldn't pay me enough to clean a car. You just couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough. You could, you could pay me $2,000, maybe $2,000. I'll, I'll clean your car. I, I wouldn't do it for a thousand. And like you, it's kind of like the same way. It's just like, I'm not fixing your car. I don't want your problems. But at the same time, I know you as a real estate agent because I've gotten the you know chance to work with you. And look, not everything's always hunky-dory. <laughs> you know, not everything is always just 100% according to plan. You make an offer, it goes to closing, everything's perfect. Awesome. That's like almost, I don't want to say that's almost never the case. That does happen a lot. But, but a lot of times there's challenges along the way. So how do, it, how do you transcend or I guess differentiate your love for helping people on the real estate side as opposed to solving their mechanic problems? Hmm. Solving, solving problems on the real estate side is, is never easy. Um, and it really, everything is, everything is different in real estate. Whereas in the automotive industry, typically you're going to have reoccurring issues that are the same. Um, you know, one person might lose their job, you know, one appraisal might come back low, you know, one inspection might come back bad for a hundred different reasons. Um, real estate is so much different than the automotive industry, obviously. And, you know, just, just gearing how to fix an issue in real estate is, is really a completely different mindset if you were to expand on that how so what is it different how, how is the mindset different you have to think a little bit more creatively um there's not always just one fix or one way to fix something and that may 
be true for certain things in the automotive industry, but typically you have, you know, you have a flat tire, you fix flat tire. You know, if you have 10 things that come back wrong on an inspection, I mean, you've got 10 different things that you could handle in a hundred different ways. So on that, I really love this because this is something that you're touching on something that I think everybody in our industry can relate to and it is the creativity of it and expand on it. How are you creative? So, and I have to back up just a second. I have to frame this up a little bit better. Um, a lot of times people think being creative, like for instance, you, if you named your mortgage company, creativemortgage.com, you're basically, you could, you could sub out creative for fraud <laughs> or like, I'm going to lie, steal or cheat to make this work, you know? And, and, the, and this was an actual thing back in 2007, 2008 or, or 2006, 2005, before that time. Um, creative mortgage that was a thing and and people would sell that like you you you'd be literally a mortgage loan officer and you go up to real estate agents and say hey I'm really creative and basically that was like a wink wink nod nod for like look I'll just lie steal or cheat to get your mortgage loan done and it would if you had the word creative in your name post 2007 2008 you're out of business <laughs> there's just no way so when you say creative, you don't mean lie, steal, or cheat. And I know what you mean, but I want to differentiate it and really like hardcore capitalize on the differences between lying, stealing, and cheating and being creative. Mm -hmm. And I guess, do you have a instance of like, hey, I was creative here that would, I guess, I guess what's your most creative thing that you've done to put a deal together? So I think it really just comes down to, to thinking outside the box on how to get a, say, a difficult repair done within either a short amount of time for little to no money. Um, and really the timelines are, are the thing that make real estate so difficult. Um, you know, when you're looking at a 45-day offer to close, there's a lot of steps that have to be done along the way. And then you throw in, you know, a, a furnace that doesn't work or more difficult repairs than that. Trying to figure out how you can have those done, keep the buyer's closing date, keep them happy, cost the seller the least amount of money as possible is never an easy dealing but you do what you can do. And if, if you do it well, everybody's happy in the end. I love that. I mean, you're effectively like the most, people don't realize this outside looking in, but I mean, like everybody wants to be a real estate agent until they figure out like, oh, wow, I'm basically this big, you know, project coordinator and managing a bunch of people's expectations. And, basically the one being held accountable, even though it's not really your fault or responsibility with so many things. It's just, right. you're the face of it. And, and you have to wear that weight and you have to do it. Um, inspection issues. How about we increase the seller concession? You know, how about we 
change the offer price by 5,000. You know, like we don't have to just fix it. You, you know, there can be a way, a way around it. And a lot of times people get just so caught up and I guess, how do you think that that type of mentality really helps you when you're getting it done? You want to rephrase that one for me? I guess what, if you're, when you're getting it done, meaning like, basically, look, you're at this point, your trajectory is no deal. Everything's blowing up. You're not going to get a closing out of this. Earnest money, you know, refunded. Everybody's pissed off. How do you go from that type of an inspection, that type of a situation, that type of a whatever it is in real estate, which is always the case, like it almost happens like half the time, we're pointing in a direction where we're aimed towards not closing. What about you, Ben, finds the way to connect the dot from that moment, that point to a closing? I think it just, a lot of it comes down to trust in the relationship that you have with the person that you're working with. Um, and I usually do anything and everything that I have to do in order to ensure that it does get done. Even if that's additional time on my part, um, you know, hiring a contractor, whatever it takes. I, I just had a transaction that I spent about four hours by myself unloading everything out of a basement because the buyer said it could stay there. And the morning of closing, they said it all had to go or they weren't going to close on the property. So there I was, put my gloves on and I loaded up a trailer of miscellaneous stuff and we closed on time. But you know, there's, there's never an easy way out with a lot of things in real estate. It's just a matter of finding somebody that's willing to take on what it takes to get the deal done. And unfortunately, there's not enough people out there willing to do it. There's a lot of people that will just throw in the towel. Yeah, man. I mean, not everybody's going to say, hey, I'll just load my trailer up and move all your stuff out, out of your place to get your right. house closed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But ben, I mean, does that, I mean, hey, man, work with Ben. He's going to move all your stuff out of your house. <laughs> I, I prefer I prefer not to do that. And it, it doesn't it doesn't have to happen. But that's probably been the most recent hiccup I've had. So. Well, but. we've all we've all had some. I mean, we've all had every single horror story. I, I mean, like this year, 2020, we've had everything happen. I mean, we've had people yep. quit their jobs at the last second, get fired from their jobs at the last second, get furloughed, and that matters. And or or the you know the stereotypical stuff like, hey, you bought a car right before you're closing. You know, you do all this all, all this stupid stuff. Um, it, those are the types of things that like we just have to deal with as loan officers, as 
real estate agents, insurance, all this type of stuff. There's just so many things that are out of our control that, that we can't handle. And, and Ben, I mean, I think you're almost a therapist in this situation. You almost come through with this, like total, you really do. You, you have a level head with it. You're almost non-emotional. Anything could go wrong. And Ben's here like, yeah, well, whatever. We'll just, you know, I don't know, fix the alternator, tune up the battery, like replace <laughs> this or like, you know what I mean? Like you just, yeah. you have a mentality of it's not that big of a deal. We're just going to, we'll figure it out. Speak to that, I guess. Why, why would somebody want to work with you? So really the, the thing that I push and especially because I work with so many younger buyers who have never been in a real estate transaction before education of the process and what to expect is really the biggest thing. And, you know, knock on wood, I usually don't, you know, once I get into a transaction, I, I usually don't have too many issues like, you know, like the car, you know, obviously job loss, you know, something like that, uh, something you don't have any control over. Um, but the things that you do have control over, I, I don't run into them very often. And I, I feel like it's because of the amount of time that I take working with buyers, explaining the contracts, explaining the process and making sure that they understand it while they're purchasing a house. I mean, that's awesome. You, you have to understand the whole thing. And I mean, it, it's not even understanding it. It's, it's having somebody almost say it, say it for a second time. And, sure. and I guess listening to it in that way. Um, I feel like Ben, I, I mean, maybe you haven't made the connection, but I'm just going to connect it is you, as an auto mechanic, you have to tell people really bad things a lot. Hey, your battery doesn't work. needs to be replaced. Here's a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. Your, you know, alternators broke your whatever. Like here, this is going to cost you 600 bucks. Sorry. <clears throat> you can be like, Hey, look, it costs 600 bucks. Sorry. Or you can be like, Hey, it costs 600 bucks. I'm going to, but I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, help you out and make sure it, it works out. It's just like, it's still the same bad news. It's still the same bad news, but you're delivering it in just a different way. I would argue with real estate. Hey, sorry. I know we offered 10,000 over list, but we didn't get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry. You know, I mean, Hey, I'm sorry, but we were the 10th offer. I know we offered before they even had an open house. Yep. I know we, you know, offered with no contingencies. Yep. I know. So did everybody else. I'm sorry. I just, Telling people what they don't want to hear. It's just like, that's the life of Ben Comroe is just what I feel like. <laughs> but also in a positive way, guiding them to something that's awesome and, and, and great, like real estate. And we don't have to always just be fixing people's cars. Um, ben, I want to move on to a couple of questions that we'd like to ask everybody that comes on our show. Before I do that though, I wanna just open it up to something to you to, is, is there anything that was a piece of your life that you feel as though 
really was a defining moment where you were going one way and then you went another? No, <laughs> Jimmy. Um, Brother, you're 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 my you're Ben Comer from up north, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'm trying to g- give some pizzazz to you, brother. I'm trying to put some sparkle. You know, I'm just a I'm I'm a pretty basic guy when it comes down to it, and in, incredibly modest. Um, you know, I I don't think there was really ever a you know really a turning point in my boring up north life. Honestly, though, I I, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I'm just at least I'm thankful that you're okay with me calling it out that like, look, you are a, you're literally just, you're just a man. You're, you're a man from up North Wisconsin. You're, you're doing your, your thing. And like, I don't necessarily think that's bad. Honestly, it's like, it's honorable. Like it's, it's like, it's cool. Like I'm honestly, I'm like, I'm happy for you. And like, it's just, it's a cool thing. Um, Awesome. I mean, I am. I'm going to move on to our, our our questions that we ask everybody. But I just I love how it's not about being basic. I guess I don't know. Is that even the right word, Ben? <laughs> just you know, just a basic dude. But but at the same time, like, look, I grew up. I did my thing. I you know, I, I went to work. I, I paid my bills, and it's it's not like you got something handed to you. You're still out there hustling your butt off, and it's not. I don't know. It doesn't have to be this, you know, fairy tale type of a dream. Um, so, all right. <clears throat> all right. So these are questions that we ask everybody, Ben, do you feel like you ever had a big break? Do I feel like I ever have a big break? No, no. I feel like I'm 24 seven running my tail off. 365 days a year still waiting for the big break i love that i don't know you could answer it better than that that's so good <laughs> big break not even once i'm not even i'm still waiting i i love that um was there ever a time that you thought about giving up no not i mean Really, no. I mean, the initial years getting into real estate were were definitely difficult. Um, but year after year, I've continued to grow. So it, it really has been motivating in itself to continue doing what I do. What about in and of itself is motivating? What What motivates you to get better? Just either doing more sales, having, you know, and and not even the amount of sales that, that I do, but there's certain aspects of, you know, working in the industry that, you know, can definitely bring joy to what you're doing. And I would say the amount of joy that I get out of it is much more than the amount of negativity that would make me want to leave the industry. Um, I mean, I had a I had a gentleman that I worked with last fall call me a few days ago and just to 
just to ask me a, a couple questions uh, about his house and some renovations he was doing. And, and I, I talked to him on the phone for probably 45 minutes and I hadn't talked to him in you know, maybe seven or eight months. And, you know, he was somebody that contacted me off the internet to look for a house when he moved to town. So I had you know, no prior relationship with him or anything like that. And, you know, really going through the process, I, I relate to people extremely well and I become friends with the majority of the people that I, that I work with. Um, you know, I can probably count on one hand a number of, you know, the amount of people that, you know, wouldn't give me a call to go out to lunch or, you know, go to a movie or something like that. I, I, I really pride myself in how well I work with people um, and the relationship that I have with them during the transaction and then also afterwards. What about that is important to you? I like to make people happy and I would much rather do 20 fewer transactions a year with a bunch of happy people than 20 more transactions a year with a bunch of angry clients that felt like they were lied to and cheated. Do you think, do you think just starting out, you would have answered that differently? Do you think you would have rather had the 20 pissed off clients, but the commission checks to go along with it or probably? Yeah. I mean, there was probably a breaking point and I think really the breaking point was just, just experiencing as much as I have, you know, after a few years, I I probably would have changed my mind. Um, But at the beginning, it's feast or famine. I mean, you really have to, you have to take whatever you can get. And I I wouldn't take the unhappy ones if I, if I didn't have to. I'm totally with you, brother. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's, here it's why people don't last in our industry is because it they, is. Didn't, yeah. they didn't it's take true. it's only too many of those that you have to swallow you know only too many of those tough pills you have to swallow before you're just like man i can't i cannot swallow one more of those pills i can't do it again but that's why we're also you know scared to expand we're scared to ex, you know exceed our our, our own goals or we're, we're scared to go further because of that fear of the fear of oh my god we just blew up it's way bigger than we thought it was. I can't handle it. I'm scared as shit. Um, I mean, is that real to you even still to this day? Expanding and growing? The fear I, of it. I, I, I would say no. I, I, I always look to grow. Um, the, really the biggest thing is growing at a controllable rate and now not spiraling out of control with more stress than you need. Um, you know, I'd love to have an assistant or something like that, but I've been, I've been doing, you know, this solely by myself. Um, and I really feel like that's why I've developed the relationships that I have. Um, so part of that, it, it, it makes it difficult for me to, want to look to hire somebody to work with me. Um, but there's, there's always the want to grow. 
I mean, it's tough. I mean, it, it, it really honestly is. It, it, the hardest thing from going to a, from a one-man show, the only person that's being called to two people or three people or five people, whatever it is, it's ultimate, it, it's, it will challenge every single piece of you. It will mm -hmm. challenge every single piece of you. It's the hardest thing in the world. And nobody that's ever done it would say that, you know, there's a, there's a guaranteed way or there's like, read this book or like, right. Like there, there's no such thing as team in a box. It's like the hardest thing in the world. I love that. But I love that you struggle it, you know, and we all do. We all, we all struggle it. I, I love, I, I just, I love the way you're pointed with it because you got to do it. You got to solve that problem. You, you have to be, you have to multiply yourself. So how do you do it? How, how does Ben, Ben Comro become statewide <laughs> and does he does he want to become statewide i guess what's next for you um you know next for me uh 2021 will be a you know I'll, I'll probably i'll probably start doing a little bit more marketing i i have kind of scaled that back um just because 2020 has been such a such an odd year for everything um, but I, I'm definitely looking to grow a bit more. Um, I, I have had my eye on trying to find an assistant to do so. Um, I'll probably continue looking and, and when I find, when I find the right person to, to help me grow, I'll, I'll definitely know it and I'll take advantage of it when it comes. I love it. Um, all right, last two questions here. Uh, if you were to do it all over again, what would you change? I don't know that I would change anything, really. And it sounds real cliche to say that, but I don't know that I, I don't know that I would. Um, you know, I think the steps that I took out of out of high school and starting a career in something completely different really probably probably helped me find doing what I love day to day. Um, I, I work out of a great office. Uh, we were an independent brokerage for the first four years that I was there. Um, and then we got into the Remax franchise and we've, we've, we've grown some, but we're really, we're really very tight knit. So I have, I have no regrets about where I work or, or when I started. Ben, that's, I mean, that's beautiful, brother. That's, I, I love that. Uh, so last question, any advice for someone looking to get it done? Well, they could call either you or I, um, but really just educating yourself and asking questions is, is the biggest thing. Um, if you have somebody that's looking to buy or sell a property, um, you can't ask too many questions. And I would much rather people ask the questions up front than be surprised later on when they didn't ask the questions. All right, that's uh, that's beautiful. So I want to thank Ben Combrell for joining us today. 
Uh, ben, uh, thank you for coming on. I, really, we appreciate it, brother. And if uh, there's anybody out there that's looking to connect with you, uh, how can they reach out? How can they connect with Ben Comro? Yeah, sure. So you can visit my website, uh, bencomro.com, uh, or contact me on my cell phone anytime. And go ahead with the number. Go ahead with the website. Sure. Yeah. So bencomro.com. That's B-E-N-K-O-M-R-O.com. Uh, and my cell phone is 715-579-0089. And you will get me and I answer just about 99 to 100% of the time. <laughs> I know you do, brother. Absolutely. Um, that's beautiful. So, uh, all right. This has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support the show, please tell a friend, write a fire review, hit that subscribe button. All those things help us make a huge difference in helping us reach more people. Once again, I am Jimmy Ryan. Thank you again for listening. Many more stories on the way.